Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! He parted her knees, exposing her, feeling the heat of her shyness, and yet loving the bold demand in her gaze at the same time. Holding it, he dipped until he moved, his mouth was level with her sex. At the first lick of his tongue across her nether lips, she cried out, Brody! Oh, how he liked hearing his name on her lips. He wanted more. He wanted her screaming it. He licked again and again, feasted on her, spreading her honeyed lips to lap at her core. He jabbed her with his tongue and flicked her clit. She moaned and squirmed at his touch, bucked when he sucked on her swollen button, stiffened and panted as her pleasure peaked, ready to tilt into climax. Neil. Yep. Oh, we can't say Brody in a sexy way. It's just not possible. It's just not possible. (laughs) Also, I feel like I just said lips 300 times. Guess what? What? We're doing a podcast. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, that explains all the microphone and the notes and the, that expla- that explains all that. Thank goodness I'd been wondering. <laughs> well, hey, let's do it. Let's do it. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. We sure do. do we sure do. Sure do. Also... All the spoilers. So many spoilers. If you've so come many here spoilers. for just sweet reviews about falling into the arms of sweet death, <laughs> you are mistaken. Le we are going to be scaring you with our spoilers. <laughs> Spooky spoilers. Also, we're filming on a different day of the week than we normally do. And as we learned from like an episode or two ago, that makes us crazy. So who oh. knows what's going to happen today? Who also, knows? listeners, if you had any idea what Claire looked like right now. <laughs> um, I look magical. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, let me paint a picture for our listeners um, as this is a audio medium <laughs> I am it, it, imagine that you are underneath um, a bride as she's about to get married <laughs> and the veil is upon her and she cannot see out for some reason and then she also has blue tape taped to her face that is holding up her uh, cheap headphone microphone <laughs> well she has her something blue yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, I look like the tent pole in a circus tent. Like, I am the pole. <laughs> and the blanket that is preventing the sound from echoing off my empty walls is the circus. Mm-hmm. You look like the the PA at the event where the tent pole broke. And they're like... Hey, Claire, just go be the tent pole for the rest of the night. <laughs> but you have to keep your headphones in in case somebody needs something, and you can't use your arms, so that's why it's taped to your face. Yeah, I super wish that I had, like, tiny animal, like, figurines that I could bounce up and down on the bottom of the screen so it would really look like I was a giant inside of the <laughs> circus. <laughs> <laughs> 
I shall crush you, clowns. I shall crush you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, um, listeners, yeah, that also may affect our uh, sound quality because I am in the process of moving and have already packed up my microphone <laughs> and sent it on the way to Texas. <laughs> so that's why she's a tent pole. Uh, anyway, so I picked some books t- for us to read. You did. What did you pick? I picked Pushing Up Posies, Grim Dating Book One by Eve Langlais. Langley? I don't know how to say her name. Eve, I'm very sorry. I don't know how to say your name. And Kim Reaper, Volume One by Sarah Grayley. And the theme was Grim Reapers. Ooh, spooky scary. Spooky scary. Um, before we get into it, Claire, I gotta know uh, what? what's got you hot and bothered. Oh man. Um, well, let me tell you, uh, I have been watching the most recent, uh, Game of Thrones, um, which is not Game of Thrones anymore. Um, but it's <laughs> like dragons do stuff. I don't remember the title because here's the thing. <laughs> I don't <laughs> that hit it. HBO show dragons do stuff dragons, dragons say the darndest things indeed boy do they ever and let me tell you what I have not actually been watching this this is my fall asleep show great <laughs> because let me tell you what happens in it um, a lot of time skips and not a lot else like <laughs> at the very beginning the king guy is like I think my daughter should be next in line. And everybody's like, well, that's weird, but okay. And then there's eight or nine episodes. I don't know. And then uh, somebody else is like, nah. And I think that's when the show begins. (laughs) But, you know, the season is now over. (laughs) Christine is nodding vehemently clapping her hands in agreement yeah i feel like what was supposed to happen was we were supposed to get like all this background to like why the war of like you know why the civil war starts between ostensibly these two women because uh it's crazy that two ladies could want power like like oh it's nuts and like oh they were best friends and now they're fighting each other and i'm like you need no excuses when it's two dudes who both look at each other and realize they're both possibly up for being king they're just like oh, i guess we got to fight this out bro like everybody That's gets what it the wars are 100 percent. like i think the other thing was they really really wanted to be like so what is it like when an uncle um you know, has hots for his niece. What What's that like? And how can we explore that? And I want to be like, I don't want to, though. I don't want to explore it. I don't think it's cute. I don't think it's fun. Uh, when he takes her to the brothel after their lovely hangout sesh and is like, should we do it? And I'm like, why are we all okay with this? Why are we watching this and being like, yeah, let's give this thing money? I, I I don't know. I mean, I do give it viewership because I've fallen asleep to every fucking episode. Like, every fucking one. This most recent one, which is the season finale, I um, fell asleep when she was uh, losing her baby. And I woke up 
as fuck you spoiler alerts everybody um as <laughs> one dragon was eating another dragon's face and the boy writing it and and it was like oh god that seems like it was an interesting scene but considering i fell asleep so early and so often i'm, I'm willing to bet it wasn't <laughs> it's it's a goddamn mess that show and next time we're going to talk about what the go a goddamn mess the rings of power was <laughs> oh that is for next time okay. <laughs> christine, christine made a sad surprised. face for that one and i'm going to tell you what spoilers i enjoyed it also spoilers it was wrong <laughs> ah! i don't know like it just i enjoyed like the first five episodes a whole lot and then after that I was like what is this show doing now like why is it deciding to like hyper speed through really awesome and important stuff anywho Gandalf's the best though Gandalf all the way um, that is the end of my Han Bothered which is mostly me being sleepy <laughs> <laughs> Neil I assume you have not read dragons saying cool things <laughs> you mean scene? Scene. No, yeah. No, I have not seen dragons saying <laughs> cool things. You have no. no interest in watching it? Well, I've never seen Game of Thrones, so I oh. feel like I have to do that first. I guess. I don't know. I don't know prequel. if I want to. It's a prequel that takes place like hundreds and hundreds of years before. Yeah, event. but you just said how bad it is, so... Oh, yeah, no, I'm not telling you to watch it. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you did get curious, you really don't have to watch Game of Thrones first. Nah. Matt Smith is in it, though. I do love Matt Smith. But sad news, he plays the uh, uncle. Oh. And he gets into that role. Like, he's creepy into it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like... He's he's one weird haircut away from looking creepy at all times anyway, so. Yeah, I mean, not to go on too much about this show, but, like, they made three really cool villains, and they decided to not give them much to do the whole series. There's like, hey, here's this guy who's obviously, like, you know, behind the scenes manipulating stuff, and he's cool, and we're going to see him in three episodes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that was upsetting and then just as matt smith is getting really interesting they literally decide nope we're not going to do much with him anymore he's just going to stand in the background looking looking kind of perturbed and like something smells bad what okay yeah i'm mad neil yes what has got you hot and bothered so mine is something that is pretty um divisive it's a very controversial topic Ooh. but tis the season candy corn oh <laughs> i think i know how claire feels about candy corn i don't think you do oh okay I, yeah um so i have discovered through the many many years of my life that basically in october i want to eat like maybe three handfuls worth of candy corn spread around the month. And then I don't need to think about it for another year. <laughs> Though there was one year that they did like white chocolate candy corn M&Ms and everybody hated them. And I thought they were delicious. <laughs> that sounds awful. It sounds no, I terrific. know. I know, but it was good. <laughs> How do you feel about candy corn, Claire? 
Um, actually, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I understand that it f tastes like um, wax and sugar, and mm -hmm. that's basically all it tastes like, with like a heavy side of wax. But on the other hand, I don't know. I like the mouthfeel. I like the sugar. I don't hate it. Um, but I also they look feel like, little like corns. yeah, they look like little corns. It's cute. Um, but also one time I got a fresh bag. Like I got a bag that had just been made like mm -hmm. days previous. And let me tell you what, that can of corn's good. <laughs> <laughs> like there really is a difference between, um, you know, stale, uh, Walgreens put it in the basement for two years and hopes it sells the next year mm -hmm. candy corn and uh, fresh candy corn like I believe it the bag that I got it's a mix so it's the traditional candy corn and then the candy corn that has a one of the segments is brown so I think it's meant to taste like chocolate but it just tastes like sugar and wax mm -hmm. and that has the little pumpkins the pumpkins are too much for me there's just like they're too girthy yeah so they're like too, much too big yeah whereas with the candy corns i'm i'm sure other candy corn enthusiasts out there do the same i bite the segments yes yes that's so the it's only like, way to eat it right so it's not so much all at once um christine i have to know how do you feel about candy corn i think it should be outlawed <laughs> um, I think it should be stricken from all of our history books um, so that it never even existed. And I think the thought of white chocolate candy corn M&Ms sound as good as egg flavored M&Ms. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's... hey, you say that. I think anyone who likes eggnog is crazy. No, you have not had good eggnog. If that is your position on eggnog, it is yolk and cream and sugar and nutmeg. What I is want to vomit. You're oh. drinking <laughs> eggs and that's gross. It's, it's the same as ice cream. No, it's not. Ice cream isn't a beverage. If you melt ice cream, it basically tastes like eggnog. It's okay. delicious. It's terrible for you. It's <laughs> artery-clogging awfulness, but so good. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no. It's a big thumbs down on... With whiskey in it. Ooh. Or yeah. brandy. I usually don't even put booze in it. I just like it straight from the carton. <laughs> oh, my God. And the season is coming up. I cannot wait. Oh my God. Goodness. Yes. Okay. Well, controversial. Welcome to... Uh, controversial foods with Neil, Claire, and Christine. <laughs> oh God, we could do a with the weird feelings I have about food. We could do a whole we a really whole could. season's worth of a podcast about it. Oh, anyway, man. but that's not what we're here for. We're here to talk about books. Yeah. So let's go do that. Yeah. Pushing up posies, grim dating book one by Eve Langlais. Netflix and Chill takes on a whole new meeting when Posey starts dating the Reaper. Poor Brody. As a Reaper leader for the Canadian Guild, he and his crew don't get as much work as other countries until the Dark Lord gives them a new mandate. Establish a dating service on Earth that will facilitate the meeting between citizens of Hell and humans with the end goal being babies. In other words, become a pimp. It's a cruel demotion for a Reaper who just wanted to guide souls to their final destination. He's dying to return to hell until he meets the stubborn woman living across the hall. 
The devil wants Posey mated, but she is resisting all attempts. What will it take to make her see the light? And how will she react when she finally discovers that death has been knocking at her door? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what the book says it's about. Claire. Yes. What is this book about? Also, I'm sure you realize why I picked it. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to say, like, one, uh, this book feels so much like it belongs in the Azagoth, a Demonica Underworld series, except it's almost like a parody of uh. that book. <laughs> <laughs> this is the sitcom version of that book. It is 100% the sitcom version of that book. It is, um, it is very funny at times and also mind-boggling at most. <laughs> 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 so it's funny when you were talking about how um like the whole first season of dragons do cool things was unnecessary the first two chapters of this book were entirely unnecessary oh yeah as no. were two of the three characters in them absolutely this author does a very brave thing and decides <laughs> that it's not she's not going to show us our love interests for three chapters <laughs> <laughs> and she's not going to tell us the plot for two <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we're going to spend two whole chapters with satan as he just is an asshole <laughs> so here's the problem um there's a war between heaven and earth and heaven, uh, and, hell. heaven and hell i apologize there's a war between heaven and hell. The souls of earth are in the middle, sort of like as fodder for either heaven or hell. And both sides are just trying to boost up their numbers, you know, specifically so that, you know, they have a large number of uh, armies to go. And the best way for heaven to get a large number of people up is, you know, like the best of the best. And usually it's babies. <laughs> We're going to be talking about abortion, folks. <laughs> Yay! Anyway, so usually it's babies because those babies have done no sin. But that's that's the only people that can actually get into heaven because it's you know it's just so difficult to get in. On the other hand, the only people who can fight for the devil have to be kind of pretty evil, I guess. Everybody gets into hell, but like fighting for it seems different. I really didn't understand. Like there was. <laughs> Um, like, like they needed, they like, but also I think fighting for hell, you have to be half demon, half human. I think that was part of it. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Unclear. Like a lot of other things were made pretty clear. World building wise, things I know for a fact from this book are the devil loves fashion and he has funny socks and he <laughs> likes to wear his funny socks. Um, the devil has lots of children and they are always trying to take over hell. And just like in Azagoth, he has his favorite children who are also daughters. And one of them is very obviously um, the goddess of love. Uh, but her name in this is Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> and she's hilarious. I enjoyed her very much and wished that she was just in charge. I did not know why we had to spend any time with the devil, really. <laughs> um, 
And because they need more souls, they decide that they're going to mate more humans with demons. And because they need to make sure it's a perfect match, the devil decides to set up a dating service. <laughs> and he puts one of his Grim Reapers in charge. Again, this is the Grim Reaper for the Canadian Guild. So there are lots of guilds of Grim Reapers. This one's for the Canadian Guild. And he has to move into an apartment. We're now in chapter four. <laughs> like, I will say, I, I did enjoy why he picked the Canadian Guild. And this is from Brody's point of view. He's like, these damn Canadians, they haven't been in a war forever. <laughs> like, they've outlawed guns. Like, nobody's dying. Ugh, so obnoxious. Yeah, because they have universal health care. And everybody seems really... to. Oh, this also takes place in 2018. So... There hasn't been any sort of, uh, you know, mass plague event yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Brody, uh, <laughs> Grim Reaper Brody moves into Brody. an apartment across from Posey, who is an interesting character. I actually really enjoyed her character by the end of the book. But let me tell you this, we deserved a whole lot more from her perspective than we were given. And we deserved the truth. So here I'm gonna describe the character that you finally get to when you're at the end of the book. Posey is a woman who, when she was born, could see through glamours. So she had some sort of magic in her. She could see through the glamour that any sort of like mythical creature puts on or God or whatever. So she could see that they were gods or centaurs or witches or whatever. She could just see that. Her parents thought she was nuts and tried to tell her to not say those things out loud, pumped her full of pills so that she just couldn't see it. And then she kind of deluded herself into believing that none of the things she saw was real or it was like costumes or something that way she could just live in the world that what she was in this like scary strange world where no one accepted the things that she saw and because of that she ended up taking a job at like a job where she could be an invisible person just like a, an admin job in a very tiny company where nobody paid any attention to her and then she would just go home and be very solitary. She did not like being out among people. She didn't like being out in the world in large part because she was trying to protect herself from seeing all of these nuts things that nobody believed that she was seeing. And so because of that, she also built up like this really hardcore exterior. Like she's like a librarian, sweet lady type of person but she's gruff even she's for a Canadian. not sweet she is so damn grumpy no 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 i mean like looks wise like if you just oh, looked at her sure. she's like a darling little tiny librarian lady but like she's really gruff she's really kind of opinionated and pushy even as a canadian like she's just you know she's taking no bullshit from people because she doesn't have time for it and she also does not get intimate with people because she is scared that they will find out her secret that she takes a shit ton of antipsychotics so that she does not see any of the things that she's seeing. This is an interesting character. That, all that information I gave you is things that we learn 
fourth hand like the devil knows this information and gives it to brody like just as like hey there's background information on this lady that lives across from you so we don't see her taking the pills we don't see her experiencing this we don't see her mem remembering any of this mm -hmm. she talks about it in the last couple of chapters when she's hanging out with brody but honestly we we get hardly any of that from her directly when we meet her at the very beginning uh, she is a grumpy loner who hates everybody and wants everybody to stay the fuck away from her so she can read her romance books, go to work, come home. She doesn't even like cats. She's like, maybe I should get a cat. Nah, fuck that shit. I don't, I don't, I'm not a lady with a cat. Like, she says that. And you're like, what do I like about you? And it, and even Brody, like, usually you get, like, love at first sight type of things when they see each other. She looks at him, she's like, well, fuck, that guy's weird hot, but weird. So, fuck that guy. I am not helping him out. And then he looks at her and is like, who's this tiny monster gremlin? <laughs> I don't want anything to do with this bitch. And then it even time skips to where, like, three, four, five weeks later, he's been working his business and trying to hook up the lady across the hall with some demon, but she's turning them all down and he doesn't know why. <sighs> Frustrated. And then later, it's like he loved her at first sight. No, he didn't. He didn't give her a second thought. And she didn't like him either. And it was like, that happened in the book all the time, where the book would assert something and then offer us no proof whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Later, yeah. they fall in love with each other, and I have no idea why. It's I not even no magic idea. dick energy. They, they just are. It's because they were talking about cons. Oh, my God. So, okay. So, we also know nothing about Brody other than he's been celibate since he died and we don't get into it until like towards the end he's like oh he suffered some heartache but now he doesn't need to worry about it anymore i'm like i don't i don't know any of the details of the particulars so okay this book to me feels like a very uh well fleshed out outline <laughs> Because yeah. some sections are written and then other things that are important just happen off stage. Like, yeah. at the end when um, when Posey makes the deal with the devil, we come back and the devil's talking to Brody. He's like, oh yeah, she really had me over a barrel. She's really good at that. She tricked me. But, but, but we don't see that at all. We don't get to see any of it. That that scene hasn't been written yet, even though this book is available for purchase on Amazon. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we know nothing about we know nothing about Posey. We know nothing about Brody. We don't know anything about any of them. Um, and then oh god, okay. So Posey keeps seeing all these like people that she thinks are doing cosplay and right. at first I'm like oh that's pretty cute and she's like yeah I saw a centaur and I was like surprised by how good his cosplay was etc cetera, etc cetera. but then when she's talking to Brody and um, who's the other one I want to say Julio yeah she's like yeah well maybe you should start um, advertising at the at like the comic cons because that's who your clientele is and they're like the comma what now and she's not she doesn't question why they don't know what comic cons are and or why they're very bad at their business and don't seem to know anything about anything but she's like oh well no they're just people in costumes like it it goes on for too long that it makes her look stupid yeah no and also 
the people who are supposedly dressed up for Comic-Con, um, besides supposedly they have an out exterior glamour that most normal humans so they see them as normal humans dressed up as normal people, uh, they do not act like it. They do not act normal human at all. They Ever. don't say normal human things. They don't do normal human things. They act strangely. Um, and I'm like, how do you even pass as a human? <laughs> um, it's, so anyway, Brody sets up his quote-unquote dating service. We don't see him setting other people up ever. We hear evidence that that's maybe happening, but we don't get to see it. And that sounds really fun and interesting. Mm -hmm. Like exactly what the criteria is for setting people up. We don't know that. Like we Do don't you know, know what the end goal really is besides babies. And apparently you know love the devil gets excited about love. Yeah. He's like, it's for babies. And then halfway through the book, he's like, no, I want them to fall in love too. And we're like, what are you talking about? Do you know what scene I, in what you just said made me realize do you know what scene this book is sorely missing what a mixer oh yeah like a speed dating mixer that posies at because she gets hired to um to work there i wanted to see like and just for her to be like why is nobody reacting to the fact that that guy's in a centaur costume why do all these people look perfectly normal and they aren't, what is going on here? What is it? And then also we could see the funny things because parts of this book were really funny. They were. Like this author has an excellent sense of humor. There was some genuinely fun parts. I think there was like the kernel of the beginnings of really interesting things. Mm -hmm. um, again, like I just felt like if this writer had like a fucking like rock star editor, mm -hmm. like this could have been a really fucking funny book. Mm -hmm. but oh man well, yeah there's just so many things missing like like you're saying this mixer what would have been really funny with fun too was to see two other couples like fall in love mm -hmm. like i'd love to have seen that centaur guy fall in love with a normal human human like barista who could not tell he was a centaur mm -hmm. um and she saw them walking around all the time i would love to see that sort of as a as a D plot line. That would have been fun. Do you know what else this book was missing? Um, Posey wanting anything other than to be left alone. Oh, that's all she wanted. That was all she wanted. Also, also, we don't find out until page... I wrote it down. Fuck. Um, 124. She had a fortune told by a fortune teller. Yeah, I was like, that is good information that could have been brought up in the first chapter. We see her in chapter five. <laughs> <laughs> so a fortune teller told her that by her 37th birthday, she would be in the arms of death. And so she's like, oh, that means I'm going to die. So then it's only after on page 124 when we find out that this is a thing that she's like, oh, she doesn't want to like get close to people because she's convinced that she's going to die and she doesn't want to do that to someone. I would have loved to spend more time in her head exploring that. But then also by page 124, when we find out about this fortune, we've already met Brody. They already want to fuck each other. And she figures it out immediately. Oh, it means that we're going to be together. And I'm like, no, you just, why, why any of that? If the character figures it out right away, then there's no point. There's no point. No point, and like, no, no point at all. Not only, okay, it, I, 
if she figured it out and that changed anything, then sure, yeah, great, have her figure it out. But she figured it out and then no different choices were made. You know what also would have been fun? And I hate being prescriptive. I really do. Like, I, I think like often we do talk about what a book could have done to sort of adjust or to make better. And it's, I think we usually talk about pretty small fixes, like, or, you know, easily, easy to swallow fixes mm -hmm. and nothing else. But honestly, I, like, I, I think it's a mark of how good this book could be that it's like sparked so many ideas mm -hmm. in me of what would be fun to see or what we could have. And I think it also shows that there's just a lack of what we want. Like, one of my thoughts is it would be nice to see Posey actually going on a date with these other people. And like actually, you know, trying to, you know, like if she does have like this death sentence hanging over her, maybe she does want to try to experience as many people as possible. Like mm -hmm. maybe that's something she does want to do. So when she's hooked up with this dating, you know, dating service, she's like, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. And then seeing how all of these other people aren't fulfilling the needs that she has. Do you know? Oh, my God. Because also we need to talk about the whole like the whole um bet that they have with heaven that like doesn't mean anything no i mean and also this would have been a perfect like love triangle situation like a right. fake love triangle or a real one doesn't matter and i was like reading it expecting that because when the angel by the way there's two angels in this there's uh what there's michael and there's Raphael, Raphael. right yeah and there's no reason because we have the, the angel Michael. He comes down for a hot second. And then we're just dealing with Raphael. He's like, so my best friend came down and he was like mean to you. And I was like, why? Why couldn't this just be the one angel? We didn't need a second angel. This, <laughs> this is insane. <sighs> There's a part to like sh the. So heaven and hell then have this wage. Okay. So they both realize that she can see through glamours. And like that's super helpful to have for like whoever side she ends up on. And so they have this wager that's basically like she has to choose between Brody and Raphael. And then of course, because there was no world in which she would have chosen Raphael, he kidnaps her and she's like, Oh, but it's my choice. Isn't it? It's like, Oh, but you don't know the terms of the wager. And we never find out what the terms of that wager are. No, obviously there there's some, that. obviously there's some weird tricky wordplay that happened that, we didn't see so it doesn't mean anything and then we're going to get into what she decides to do next but do you know again saying what this book could have been do you know what would have been fucking amazing what if this was a like supernatural dating service where half of the staff worked for heaven and half of the staff worked for hell and they were competing against each other at the same time to see how many people they could win over and great. she, because she's special or like is the tiebreaker or something. So they're competing over her. That would have been great. It would have been amazing because I something I will say for this book is that it doesn't take itself too seriously. And yes. if something doesn't take itself too seriously, I'm willing to forgive a lot. Like automatically, oh, yeah. if it's just like, this is a silly thing I'm doing. I'm like, great. I'm, I'm here for the ride. I'm going to forgive almost anything. Some of these things I cannot forgive, but I'm less angry about it because the book doesn't take itself so seriously. It's not like demanding that I like, oh, this love is for the ages, but I didn't work out anyone's backstory. I'm like, yeah, no, I agree. I think 
because it didn't take itself seriously and there was a lot of fun like poking at the genre really in general Mm. i just okay so things i didn't like okay the thing i did like so when Raphael is kidnapping her and he's holding her over a building's edge and he's more and he says okay i can take you up to heaven uh if that you know and we're that's where we're going we're gonna go up to heaven and she more or less it seems like she might have a choice but we don't know for sure like it's because we were never told right he makes it sound like she doesn't have a choice uh brody finds out that she's been kidnapped and take to taken to heaven by the devil who made this happen he took him he the, Lucifer took Brody away from hanging out with Posey to tell him that Posey had been kidnapped. Because yes. it happened when he was taken uh, away. It's bonkers. Yeah. And I was like this uh this seems like a mistake. Why not just take Brody away for other reasons? Whatever. Anyway, so Brody is like how do I get into heaven? How do I make sure I get her back? And he's trying to plan it out. Don't worry. He doesn't have to think too hard. He makes no mistakes when he has to give up anything or change anything. Status is not changed uh, because he quickly finds Posey is dead uh, because Posey apparently did have a choice. She could choose between going to heaven and being dropped off that building. And she picked dropped off the building and she remembers being splattered to the ground. This moment I did kind of love. I kind of loved that we were tricked, that we didn't know what had happened to Posey. But what I wish is that we did know that she had a choice. Mm-hmm. I really wish we had known that she, that one of these two things could happen. We could have been tricked into making it sound like she went to heaven. I'm down with that. Mm-hmm. Because it does seem like the better alternative rather than being thrown off a skyscraper. <laughs> but, you know, so I, I found the twist interesting but fucked with my head in a way that was unpleasant. It seemed, um, because also, because it sets up all these rules that basically tell us that if and when Posey dies, it's not like she's going to end up with Brody in death. Like, this is their only chance. So it didn't feel like the book was going there at all. It felt very, like, out of left field to me. And then when when we get later scenes, I'm like, oh, that that is fun. That it is a Grim Reaper. And then he's, like, trying to win her back from death. But, like, again, it just, it kind of felt out of nowhere for me. Yeah, and then she makes a deal with the devil, which she knew she could do, which I guess Brody didn't think that was possible for her. I don't know why, because he made a deal. And she yep. makes a deal with the devil, and she just also becomes a member of the Grim Reaper Guild. She's not a Grim Reaper for reasons that are not made clear. She's like a death cupid. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I don't know. Yeah, and again, like, the reasons why also not made clear. Um, this book, like... One of the things this book brings up several times is that what heaven really wants is the purest of souls, and those souls that are the purest are those babies that have been aborted. It says that a bunch of times. And I kept thinking, is this supposed to be a joke? (laughs) Am I supposed to find this funny, or am I supposed to feel like it's a gotcha abortionist? Or is it supposed to be a gotcha anti-abortion people? 
Like, I didn't know who this was for or against, or I didn't know what was. I was like, I'm, I feel uncomfortable because I don't know why this is here. <laughs> I don't know why this is here. It didn't feel funny. Like, okay, so here's me. Uh, you know, a, I don't want to say pro-choice because it just sounds weird. But yes, a pro-choice activist. It is a woman's right to choose whether or not she's going to have an abortion. Full stop. All, you know, that is, that you know, it's between her and her doctor. That's, that's what, that should be the law of the land. That's what should be happening. I don't know if this joke agrees with me. Like the way it was written, I couldn't tell. <laughs> I couldn't tell either at first i think it does agree with you i, I think, think so too because there's a part where it's like oh yeah all those anti-choice people if they knew that all those babies were getting into heaven or like um it was kind of like all those anti-choice people like if they knew they probably like they're actively keeping more people out of heaven right. by like taking away abortion rights i don't i don't know that's I'm just choosing to to believe that the, this book agreed with you. No, and I want to do that too. I just wish it was written clearer mm -hmm. and maybe that joke was written less jokey. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not feeling in a jokey mood about that particular um, issue. Right, because 2018 was a simpler time. Apparently. <laughs> but like... So anyway, so that's where I am with that particular thing. Mm -hmm. um, I wish that was taken out because I didn't need it. Yeah. There were so many other very funny parts of this book. Um, one, of my, one of my favorites was like, because, um, so I, and I, I'm, did the devil know the whole time that she could see through glamours and he just didn't tell us until after? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he obviously wanted her to get knocked up and have and have a bunch of babies who could see through glamours. And so he finagled it so that she got fired so that she would end up working with Brody at the dating agency so they could like seduce her. And he didn't, at first he didn't care who it was, but then later he's like, no, it has to be love. I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. Anyway, um, so there's a point where she shows up to like her first day of work or whatever, and Brody and Brody compliments her on her her on it, and she's like, "Yes, I believe in punctuality." And he's like, "In my profession, it's very important." <laughs> that was good. There's some good jokes. I will say the Canadian thing happened like three too many times. It's like, oh, because she's Canadian. A couple of them were great. Some yeah. of them were okay, and then there were some of them like that was unnecessary. No, a bunch of them were really great, but there was one I had a particular problem with, which is at the end, like she's having a meeting with the devil to you know sell her soul or whatever, and she and he's making fun of her because she keeps apologizing, and she does. But the thing is, in her first interaction with Brody, she didn't. That was not her character. That was not in her language. She didn't say, I'm sorry, in that first interaction. She didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, let me help you, or any of that. Like, it didn't feel that way. So it was like, and she didn't say that in most of her interactions. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't some, so it was literally just with the devil that she was that way. And I was like, well, so it's not a real good joke. Because <laughs> it, and also, we don't see any other Canadians. We don't, That's we true. only, she's the only human we really interact with. 
So we don't see the world of Canada. We don't know what the world of Canada is like. You just have to know this. It would have been funny. This is where it would have been funnier if we saw the dating apparatus work. If we saw, mm -hmm. you know, real human beings interacting with these demons and mythological creatures. I think it would have been really fucking funny. Like another joke would be if if Posey finds out that a lot of people can actually see through the glamour, it's just that the Canadians are too nice to say anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, can I read something that I enjoyed? Yes, please. Um, Lucifer's talking about angels and he says, I'm on to you, angelic bastards. I should have known it was a lie, given they're incapable of loving anyone but themselves, because, lo because love isn't perfect. Love isn't clean or kind. Love of people, country, and religion is the greatest evil of all and the reason behind the vilest acts. And I like that idea that, like, angels don't really know what love is because it's messy and imperfect. Yeah. And I, th I thought that was really nice. I, you know, like that passage could have been worded a little better but i really like that idea that even because like you know we're taught this is also like um azagoth in that like heaven is perfect but because we're people what perfect looks like sounds like the fucking worst and i really i really enjoy that trope i said it last time and i'll say it again i really enjoy that trope um and i love this idea of just like love is such a like messy imperfect thing that it like just doesn't make sense in heaven and i, I thought agree. that was sweet no i agree i like that line too also because it brought up love of country and that heaven's love and the love of heaven and the love that angels have for each other is more about the place and where they are and upholding mm -hmm. the laws of it and the traditions of it. It's not about loving each other. It's not about loving humans or humanity. It's not about, it's not about a, a larger grace. It is very much about, you know, that sort of mm -hmm. patriot, patriot, like the ugly side of patriotism. Mm -hmm. Whereas in hell, it is more about the love of the love of what you do, the love of, of where you are, the love of who you're with. Like, even Satan, like, his love of fashion and his love of clothes and his love of his people and the people that he's caring for. And his wife and his children. His wife and his children. And it can be ugly. It can be messy. And it often was, like, you know, in its gray area. But, you know, it's... I thought that was really well put in the book. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wish it was framed better. I wish mm -hmm. it was part of the central theme. <laughs> yeah. I think, and that would have been really interesting too, if it was part of a central theme, kind of why I wish this would have been interesting if it was put in America, that Posey was different because she didn't even fit in in America, you know, like this very, you know, overly patriotic moment that we're all going through, you know, and that she's set against that and mm -hmm. that the world of hell is even set against that. I think that would have been really interesting, but okay. <laughs> That's it. But they get together, FYI. They get together. They live happily ever after. She has a baby in hell because she got pregnant with the one time they had sex. After knowing couch. each other for like four months. 
uh, where they also admitted that they loved each other. Like she has this very silly line where she says, I guess we should, you know, all the simmering like feelings we have for each other. We should just get them out. I'm like, what simmering feelings? I highlighted that line and asked the exact same question. <laughs> it's like, there's no simmering. This there's is nothing I, simmering. This is you had again, one car ride together. Writers, just because you say something is true doesn't make it true. You have to support it with other parts of the book. Uh, frustrating. Yeah. But that's really all I have to say about that book, really, for now. Um, yeah, me too. All right. And that was okay. that book. That was that book. That was Pushing Up Posies, Grim Dating Book One by Eve Langellis. Kim Reaper, Volume 1, Grim Beginnings, by Sarah Grayley. Part-time Grim Reaper, full-time cutie. Like most university students, Kim works a part-time job to make ends meet. Unlike most university students, Kim's job is pretty cool. She's a Grim Reaper, tasked with guiding souls into the afterlife. Like most university students, Becca has a super intense crush. Unlike most university students, Becca's crush is on, a is on a beautiful gothic angel that frequents the underworld. Of course, she doesn't know that. Unaware of the ghoulish drama she's about to step into, Becky finally, Becca finally gathers up the courage to ask Kim on a date. But when she falls into a ghastly portal and interrupts Kim at her job, she sets off a chain of events that will pit the two of them against angry cat dads, vengeful zombies, and perhaps even the underworld itself. But if they work together, they just might make it. Maybe even get a smooch in the bargain. Neil? Yes. That's what the book says it's about. Yes. Is that what this book is about? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, so... um. This is a graphic novel, and volume one is the first four uh, installations of Kim Reaper. Um, when I was looking for... So I found Pushing Up Posies first, and when I was looking for a queer um, Grim Reaper thing, this this just kept popping up. And I was like, well, I should pick a novel novel, not a graphic novel, because, you know, whatever. But then it kept kept popping up on people talking about how good it was. So I was like, you know what? We deserve a good book. <laughs> oh my God. It's so good. It's so cute. It's so cute. It's really funny. It's really sweet. The style is marvelous. Okay. So we start at uni with Becca, who's very sweet, very bubbly and like enamored of this goth girl in her class. And I love that um, Kim's eyeliner, eyeliner wings go like past her face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Anyway, and so Becca's talking to her friend Tyler. I think his name is Tyler. Yes. Um, and she's like, oh my God, she's so cute. Oh my God. And Tyler's like, what are you talking about and Becca's like no she's super cute and you don't know this about me Tyler but I'm super goth inside Tyler's like no you're not girl and she's like ah. and so uh, finally I think Tyler's just like just ask her out and she's like Becca's like oh, we should invite her to the pub yes <laughs> and it's like this grand revelation for her I'm like great so class ends and um, Kim's on her way out so Becca like rushes to, to catch up with her um and then she sees her open a portal and she like falls in and then it's in a house full of cats 
so many cats. And then they sort of like, Becca's like, what are you doing? And Kim's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, uh, you opened a portal in a class, in a like school hallway. And I fell in and she's like, okay, whatever. So we find out that Kim is a part-time reaper who's like in training. So she's only currently able to reap animal souls. And she's come to take the soul of a cat who's very sick and ready. And like, to it was also kind on. of an adorable scene because so, because Becca interrupts her thinking like she's killing this cat think mm-hmm. she's got a scythe like up against this cat and and she's freaked out about it and the cat gets away and kim gets angry and you know becca finds out that kim kind of doesn't know who she actually is and that breaks uh becca's heart and they have a lovely like argument and so becca feels bad about the whole thing kim feels bad about the whole thing so Becca says, I promise I'll help fix this. So then they look over the couch, like, look, there's the cat. And Kim's like, that looks like the wrong cat. And suddenly all these other cats start popping up. And she's like, oh, shit. And there's so many cats. And they can't tell which one's the sick one. And she's like, we got to just go. And Becca's like, no, I said I would help you and I'm going to help you. And then the person comes home and they're like, see this part. And like the best part was Becca was trying to be so positive that she would say something like, here's what's going to happen. It's an old lady. Obviously there's a billion cats. She's going to go to bed early and then we'll find the right cat. And everything turns out to be wrong. Like it's always the exact opposite of whatever Becca has promised it is, which just makes it worse and worse and worse as we go this, along. This muscle dude comes home and chugs like five energy drinks. It's like, now I can stay up with my cats forever. <laughs> the only thing I love is the gym, my cats, and energy drinks. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, so then things go a bit pear-shaped and then... Um, uh, Kim's like, you know what, let's, let's, I can go anywhere with this scythe, let's just, like, go hang out somewhere cool and kind of, like, start over. So they go to this abandoned, um, or not abandoned, it's a theme park, but it's after hours. This theme park that, um, Becca really likes. So then they chat and they get to know each other, um, and then, It's an adorable um, first date. It is exactly it's really the sweet. you want a first date to be. Yeah. And then Kim's like, ooh, I know. Let's go do a thing. Or maybe Becca's like, oh, let's go somewhere you want to go. So they go to, like, a sunken pirate ship. And Kim's like, oh, my God, look at all this cool stuff. And then Becca gets possessed by a ghost. Or a ghoul. Not a ghost. A ghoul. Becca gets possessed. And then so then Kim has to, like, rescue her. And then Becca's like, that was not okay. That was not okay. I don't want to be in these situations. And also the way she had to rescue her it's supposed to be kind of funny and it's, it is kind of adorable, but it's also, it's, it's, it's kind of stark too and strange. So she's like, the only way I can get the ghoul out of my friend is to punch it out. And so she punches, um, she punches Becca and the ghoul does come out and Becca is survived, you know, is fine. But Becca's not happy with any of this. Like she doesn't like, one, she still does not like that Kim is a reaper. Like she just, she doesn't like that. That is something she already doesn't like. She doesn't like that they go to that. Uh, this girl she likes goes to unsafe places and has, to, and that's her favorite thing to do is these unsafe things. And she doesn't like that she's put her in an unsafe situation. Like that she didn't think ahead to think like this newbie really shouldn't be in this unsafe place. And then she got, she, you know, she something unsafe happened. So. 
this was actually the first moment I liked Becca. Like the whole time, or the whole time I thought she was cute and adorable, but she was too sugary for me. Yeah, this this really added depth to her character. Yeah, because she was right. Everything mm-hmm. she said was correct, and uh, and it was very interesting. But she also brings up a question here that she brought up a couple of other times that never actually gets answered, which is, "But why do you like being a Grim Reaper?" And I don't think Kim never answers that in the book. She fights to keep her job throughout the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting fight. But I would have thought it was more interesting and had more depth if she did tell us why mm-hmm. she likes it. I'm assuming that it'll be it'll have to do with some secret or something that she comes out with in volume two or three that like is a is a turning point in their relationship. Yeah, I could see that. I think that would be interesting. I I mean, one of the things about one of the one of the places it would have I think come out in a way that was natural without revealing a lot of secrets but would have also showed us like a bare minimum of entry as to why she liked it, like doing this and why she was willing to fight so hard for her job mm-hmm. was when they go back to the cat house because they got to finish that job. And despite the fact that they're both angry at each other and they've had a rough night, they go back to the house and the cat guy has died because he's had, he's gotten too buff. He had too many of those sodas. He is a mess. And he's holding his half dead cat who is, who is also over buffed and drank too many energy drinks. And, and so Kim feels awful. And so she does, she's got to reap the cat to, to make sure that it's ready to go on its way to, you know, to, to its peaceful slumber or whatever death is in this particular world. And she decides she's going to go ahead and reap the guy too because she's there. And I thought that would have been a nice moment to really mm. show that this is a kindness. That in this world of adventure that Kim loves and danger and ghouls and darkness that she really also like at the bottom of this is this deep kindness. Mm-hmm. I would have like right then like I don't and like the reason why she's drawn to it could have been revealed later. The reason why she wants to keep it could have been revealed later. The reason she found it could have been revealed later. But I think that would have been a good point for this to come out because then we would know the next part why she fights so hard to keep her job Mm -hmm. despite a lot of terrible things yeah we get the sense that she is convinced that if she fucks up then she's gonna just like be reaped herself like she's like you can't quit this kind of gig right so there are like danger stakes but i agree that that if they're had been because that's i mean that that's pretty damn goth too to be like oh the beauty and death yeah and like the quiet repose um so i agree that 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 would have been a really nice um a really nice moment um but then uh becca and kim uh they it's a bit of a falling out so they aren't really talking to each other and then kim gets summoned to the uh grim reaper council and the king grim reaper (laughs) It's like, oh my god, I really appreciate your initiative. That was so great. I'm promoting you. And all the other Grim Reaper council members are like, fucking what? She keeps breaking the rules. It's like, no, 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 trust me, trust me. You you can reap humans now. Here's your first assignment. And it's Becca. <gasps> uh, 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 
And then it also turns out that Becca and Tyler are having a party. So Kim crashes the party. They get into some fights and then they they end up in Becca's room and she like Becca doesn't want to talk to her, so she like crawls under her blankets. <laughs> and Kim's like, Are you hiding from me? And Becca's like, Yeah, you put me in danger and you brought your scythe to my house and I don't like any of it. Kim's like, that is perfectly fair. And then they sort of talk through it and then she explains the situation. And then Becca's like, yeah, but it's like, it's only like 10 minutes until midnight. And because the, because it said that she had to die on Friday. She's like, well, it's only 10 minutes till midnight and then it won't be Friday anymore. Right. So if we just like hang out, then we'll be fine. And Kim's like, yeah, totally. And then Becca's like, do you know what you get for helping me? Bed cookies. <laughs> he pulls out a thing of, of um, cookies from her bed, but then she starts choking on the bed cookie. And so then Kim rescues her, like gives her a pat on the back. So she, and that's how she was supposed to die. Yeah. So then she's in even more trouble now. Uh, so then Becca's like, well, Hey, you could just work at my job, which is she works at a bakery. And so they're like hanging out. They're being cute at the bakery. And then zombies show up. (laughs) They're like, this isn't okay. Yeah, because the Grim Reaper Guild uh, has several of my favorite scenes. So at the very beginning, when Kim decides to go to the party, she is nervous about going to the party. And then when she's at the party, she's nervous at the party. And we get all this lovely interior life in Kim that's just delightful. The whole, that whole party part. That was one of my favorite scenes of this book. Mm-hmm. And then when she breaks the rules again and isn't going and saves Becca instead of reaps her, like she's pulled into a portal, but Becca pulls her out and Becca's like, see, I saved you from that. And Kim's like, oh no, I was halfway through the portal and they had the meeting with me. (laughs) And so there's this scene with her like dangling through the portal, like looking like, oh God, are we having this meeting? And her bosses are yelling at her. It was hilarious. (laughs) And so then she's fired from her Grim Reaper job. And she's sucked back through the portal and her bosses are like, we're going to send her something worse. And so they they do the zombies. So Mm -hmm. they're at the bakery and here come the zombies. So then, um, (laughs) but, but, uh, Kim is like, I'm going to go do something. And since I'm a grim reaper, I can't get turned into a zombie. So I'll take care of it. And Becca's like, no, I'm helping. And she like puts on oven mitts to like, as bite guards and it's so the rest of the comics just walking around in oven mitts and it's really cute anyway so they go through the sewers to find hell and so they can talk to the grim reaper and then and then <laughs> kim's like oh i don't have my scythe but i have my fists and she and becca like beat up the head of the council yeah and the the other council members are like what are we gonna do this has literally never happened before and one of them is like well i'll just maybe I'll just, I'll just be in charge. And he puts some little crown and he's like, <laughs> and they're like, what are you going to do to us? And he's like, you know what? You're more trouble than you're worth. Just your pardon. Just leave. I don't want to deal with you anymore. Go have fun. And they're like, yay. And then the, the head council member is still alive. Unalive. Um, like pops up and is like, well, I have something in store for them. Give me my crown back. And then there's guys like, yes, boss. Yeah. And that's how it ends. Yeah. Totally <laughs> adorable. The artwork is very like rounded and squishy. Um, there, some of their expressions are so funny. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. Everyone just go read it. 
It's so cute. It's so lovely. Really delightful. Really cute. I think like, um, I don't know. From like, I thought it was really cute. I thought the writing and the art was delightful. Uh, I I really did like it very much. It was super fun. It was a little too cutesy for me. It's not quite up my particular alley, mm. but I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it very much. And I think like this is something that's going to have wide appeal. Absolutely, people should read it. I yeah. think. See, Send I, money to this author because this author deserves it. I enjoyed the juxtaposition of the cutesy with like ghouls and zombies and stuff. I thought yeah. it was really fun that Becca's like, I'm like, uh, oh God, words. Um, Becca's like, I'm always positive all the time. And then it's like, zombies are here. What are you doing? <laughs> She's like, maybe they aren't zombies. It's like, no, Becca, those are zombies. Don't get bit. Yeah. Hit them in the brains. Yeah. No, it was adorable. Mm -hmm. um, very UK. Very fun. Absolutely worth reading. Like, again, not quite up my alley, but for all the best reasons, absolutely something that everybody should read. Great. So that was Kim Reaper Volume 1 by Sarah Grayley. Yay! Are you ready? Am I ready? Are you ready? Am I ready? Let's play Fuck Mary, Fuck Mary, Fuck Mary, Fuck Mary, Kill. Let's play Fuck Mary, Kill. Let's play Fuck Mary, Kill. 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 Fuck, Mary kill, Kim, Brody, or the guy at the R Grim Reaper council that pardoned them at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to fuck Brody because uh, at least he seems pretty good at it. And that was a scene, that scene where he went down on her, despite being weirdly written at times, was one and of the longest scenes of Cunnilingus we've ever read. <laughs> and I... I have to say the phrase nether lips is not <laughs> something I enjoyed. Not my favorite. Not my favorite. No. But I will say that was a long cuddlingus scene. <laughs> and he was down to go down. So he go was for down it. to go down. So I'll fuck him. Um, and I'm going to marry Kim, obviously, because <laughs> she is adorable, fun, goth and all the best, you know, goth and like, great, like super stylish. I like, there was this wonderful, funny, funny bit where she talks about the last breakup uh, she had because the girlfriend only wanted her for her closet like <laughs> only wanted her fashions and she did not she could not take that and i she wanted to keep all of her fashions to herself and i thought that was very cute and i liked her little high heel boots mm -hmm. um, and i love that she has this like colorful mermaid tattoo on her the artwork in this was just fucking fabulous and the mermaid is a like, skeleton I know, like the bed cookies that she talks about, those are previewed in an earlier pan, in a much earlier mm -hmm. panel. You see them after, like, when uh, Becca and Tyler are doing a download on the date and how it went. And it's like, it's just perfect. It's just really well put together art wise. Um, so I'm going to kill the Grim Reaper Council guy because he's the last one left, and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I'm going to do the same things. Yeah, I bet I bet Brody is good at the sex. Oh, there yeah. is a 
There is a moment though that like okay, I have to read a I have to read a passage. I may be past my time, but I have to read this passage. Let me find it really fast. Uh so Brody is the boss and then his second in command is Julio and Julio flirts with um Posey in that very harmless kind of way. It was it was fun. Um Blah, blah, blah. Julio winked. He was a handsome man with tanned skin and dark hair, the epitome of sexy Latino, but not her type. She preferred her men tall, dark, and brooding, kind of like her boss. I'm like, tall, dark, and brooding. Did you just say that's what Julio is? Also, <laughs> also Brody's blonde. What are yeah. you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> God. Anyway. That is just, yeah. that just came to my mind, and I'm just like, so he's he he's tall, dark, and brooding, despite the fact that he's pale and blonde. Yep, he's tall and brooding. Anyway, he's probably good at the sex, so I will fuck him. I'm also gonna marry Kim. Um, she can take me on adventures, and I'll I'll like have her take me to places that aren't haunted by ghouls. Um, <laughs> and then the that council member guy was he was really funny, but I have to kill him so. <laughs> was terribly funny um all right i think the uh the secret theme for these two books was actually jobs mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it definitely felt like this was uh like i know it's grim reaper but it felt occupational like it was jobs ghosts, for both of them yeah what we, like what with we with hierarchies and yeah, bosses like and bosses. rules and yeah assignments um, <laughs> but so i'm going to say like a uh, fuck Mary kill a grim reaper who is also a university student uh-huh. who is also working for a tech company who is also a baker oh i see i see i see mm-hmm. um so a grim reaper who has two jobs uh, yes grim reaping and university student uh tech t- tech startup company and uh baker okay I'm gonna marry the baker, the grim baker. <laughs> do they do they harvest pastry souls? <laughs> no, they feed the souls good pastries. Yay! Um, pastries for the dead. Pastries for Ooh, the dead. Or they're the ones that make um, that make the food in the underworld. That if you eat it, you have to stay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just do what Azagoth did and order from your favorite Italian place in New York. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to marry the baker because I'm almost always going to marry the baker. Um, also, quick, quick aside, I've been doing a lot of baking and I'm doing even more tomorrow. So I'm fairly certain that come uh, two days from now, I'm going to have three different baked goods that I made in my house. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um and then I'm gonna Um I think I'll fuck the university student. Mm. I don't expect the university student or the, the techie to I don't expect either of them to be good at the sex. Um but if I fuck a techie, I'm gonna have to listen to them go on about like python or how hard it is that they didn't get free dinner this week or some stupid bullshit like that um i literally had that happen i went to a guy's house 
he hosted me for dinner because he had a meal budget and just like ordered food for free. Um, and it wasn't even like from his work. It was like, you just get money to order yourself dinner from wherever you want. So I went over and then he was like complaining about how the food wasn't good. I was just like, it was free. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, <laughs> um, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to listen to it. Um, at all and then like I also had one guy like talk to me as if I had any idea what he was saying or talking about I I don't I don't know I don't care I don't care about any of it um so I'm gonna kill the groomy protecky and then I'm gonna um fuck the groomy per university student because it it won't be probably won't be very good but it will be enthusiastic. <laughs> and that, that makes up for, for some of it. And then like, Ooh, it'll be at my place and they'll be impressed with my grown up apartment. <laughs> the fact that I have real furniture. It's true. And that there's true. something other than like beer and ketchup in my fridge. Yeah. What about you, Claire? I'm sort of regretting not put not making it like a straight up matchmaker, like a Grim Reaper matchmaker, because <sighs> obviously that makes more sense. But for some reason, like the matchmaking service in the book doesn't feel like a match. It feels more like a tech startup. It feels it feels like a startup because it's a bunch of dudes who have no idea what they're doing and are given right. unlimited resources to do it. And exactly. they just fail up the whole book. Yeah, like they care way more about their office size than they really do about whether or not they're providing a service to their customers. Yeah. So. Even though, oh my God, there's one point because at the beginning, it, he, um, Brody runs it out of his apartment and Satan shows up and he's like, this is real bleak, dude. Like you can have whatever you want in your apartment. And Brody's like, I have everything I need. I have a desk with a chair and a mattress on the floor in the bedroom. I'm like, oof, oof a doof. That is straight dudes, uh, straight dude, like... Yeah. I mean, I did appreciate that it set up that the, the guild hall is pretty Spartan. So that's just sort of like his whole aesthetic, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. But oof, oof. Um, yeah. All the same answers for me. Like, I can't even, like, improve upon those. All the same answers, my friend. Great. And of, <laughs> out of all the characters, Claire? Um, well, I think, like... I would definitely marry Kim. Kim is up my alley, like, as a person. Like, just in general. She's fun. She's goth. She's got so much going on. Um, I just, I want to be best friends with Becca. I just, I want that kind of light <laughs> in my life. But I don't think I could commit to the energy. Like, fair. Fair, <laughs> like fair, I fair. just, you know, I need, I need that energy in doses. But I can't, like live with that energy um and i'm still gonna fuck brody because i still think that that would be good you know what no i take that back i'm gonna fuck satan because <laughs> i think satan's really good at it and he also actually seems pretty loving and does care about other people and it sounds like he likes to be the sub <laughs> every now and again mm -hmm. so i'm down um, that sounds great. And I'm going to kill, Oh, I guess I'm going to kill heaven's host. Um, the angels, Ooh, mm -hmm. what boring sticks in the mud <laughs> who are pushy and unkind. Yep. The holy yep, yep, host yep. is out. Great. I'm also going to fuck Satan. 
he has to be good at the sex. And yeah, he's very like it, it, he he's not like a um oh god, what was that phrase? Alpha jerk? Right. He's not an alpha jerk about it. He seems to like he's he like he does it because he enjoys it and I think he he wants people to enjoy it because enjoying it makes it like all the more sinful. So he'll make sure you have a good time. Um, I'm going to marry Becca. I know she was a little too much for you. She's probably too much for me, but I thought she was really sweet. She has bed cookies and she's a baker. These are important things in my life. Um, and then I'm also going to kill the angels, particularly Raphael. Cause he was the yeah, worstest. No. The worstiest. Oh, worst. Uh, and the books, Claire? Oh, um, I'm obvious. I, I'm going to marry. Uh, I am going to marry Kim Reaper. I mean, again, it wasn't quite where I live as like a person. But honestly, it was so adorable. It was so well drawn. It was just lush and cute. And I'm going to reread it because I just love the pictures so much. Mm-hmm. I love this sort of rounded, like plush bodies and um every like it was just so well the concept came out so beautifully uh it felt like something you could gamify like i don't know everything about it i loved i just fucking loved it so yeah i'm gonna marry it i loved it even while i say it wasn't my jam you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yes so absolutely everybody should get into this i'm gonna marry it and i am so torn about pushing posies it's so on the edge of being something really enjoyable i'm gonna fuck it Mm -hmm. if because it's almost there and i wonder if the author improves in like the following books does not improve covers covers (laughs) never improve the covers are pretty bad um sweeping ashley is the next one and he is holding and it is another Grim Reaper guy, but he's holding a feather duster, and it is hilarious. Uh, contempt of Courtney, and now this time he's holding a gavel. <laughs> also, did you notice in Sweeping Up Ashley that he has, like, the cloak with little skull fasteners that are obviously, it's obviously photoshopped on and the skulls are attached to nothing. Yes. Yes, I did. I did notice that. At least in Pushing Posies, it looks like they're wrapped around his arms in some way so that there's like a way it's up. But in uh, in Sweeping Ashley, it is tagged into his skin. Um, and then the last one is Knocking on Helen's Door, which I actually think is going to be the best one because that title just cracks my shit up. Knock, knock, knocking, <laughs> knocking on Helen's, on Helen's Door. door. There was a lot of door knocking in this one, so there, she may have she may have blown her wad with door knocking. It's quite possible, but I don't know. So anyway, I'm gonna fuck it. So okay, you. I'm also gonna marry Kim Reaper. It was so much fun, um, and then like when um, I really enjoyed when they had their falling out because uh, Becca was like that was really dangerous, and I didn't like to be in that dangerous situation. I feel like if this had been a straight romance novel, then the Grim Reaper's response would have been like, well, that's what you get with me. Maybe you aren't cut out for my kind of life. And the woman would have been like, no, I was wrong to feel unsafe. 
I feel like that's what would happen in a straight romance novel, but I really enjoyed that Kim was like, oh, yeah, you're right. That was wrong of me. I'm sorry. Let's fix it. So it was really great. Also, it's it's so cute. It's so funny. The expressions are so funny. Um, even like the little background stuff is really well done. Like in the there's a scene where they're climbing down through the sewer and it takes up most of the page, and the sewer pipe just kind of like snakes around. And then there's like funny little things buried in the dirt outside of the sewer pipes. Like there are two two little skulls looking at each other, very obviously in love with each other. <laughs> so yeah. sweet. Anyway, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to marry it. And I'm also really torn about pushing up posies. Uh, something else uh, that like that likens it to Azagoth is there's references to things that obviously happened in other books, even though this is the first book of the series. Yeah. It was very bizarre. Like there's one. Uh, so there's a scene where Satan's talking to his daughters. This is at the beginning of the book. And he's talking about uh, Muriel, who once um, was like, oh, like she used to be a total slut, which he liked. And now she's like, not so much a slut. I don't know. Anyway, he said, this is a quote. He'd have been happier if she was using that jizz cocktail to make super grandbabies. Unfortunately, Muriel was having issues with her womanly parts. Something about Lilith fucking her right up when she'd stolen Lucille, his first granddaughter. I was like, what the fuck is any of that? What are you talking about? Yeah. Anyway, it felt like Azagoth and that it's meant to be an entree, but it definitely was not. Um... God, I am torn. Like you said, that the, there are parts of it that are enjoyable. And again, the fact that it doesn't take itself seriously allows me to forgive a lot. But then it's also like, I feel like whole sections of this book are just missing. Yeah. And there's, it's just a sentence of like, oh, and then this happened as a placeholder yeah. for her to have gone back and like actually written the scene. Um, uh, I think I'm also going to fuck it. I fucked worse before, so. <laughs> and it didn't make me angry the way the way that some books do. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of frustrating and a little disappointing. Like a lot of the sex I've had. So right. I guess this is, this is, um, <laughs> yes. So I'm going to fuck it. Which I think All then right. means, isn't it time for favorite game it's time for our favorite game christine guess <laughs> guess christine i'm here christine, you're I'm gonna, gonna guess. guess i'm gonna guess Calm. i'm gonna guess i'm ready Calm. to guess um, okay so this this one um maybe it's obvious maybe it's not i don't know you're uh, i'm not gonna read the whole title okay like for one, because it gives it away, mm -hmm. but, or it doesn't give it away. It kind of gives it away. And well, the other one gives it away. So what can we do? <laughs> All right, you ready? <laughs> You're having such struggles with this. Struggles. struggles. I am struggles. All right. Um, the first one is Pumpkin Everything, Autumn Burrow Sweet Romance, book one by Beth Labonte. And the second one is Thankful. By Eddie Bryant. Is it Thanksgiving? It is 
Thanksgiving. Yay! <laughs> I love pumpkin everything. Is that pumpkin the straight one? Everything. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's it's gonna be a PSL girl with her UGG boots and her scarves and <laughs> Um and the Pumpkin Everything is also now it's called it's actually the full title is Pumpkin Everything, but the full title on Amazon is Pumpkin Everything, now a Hallmark Channel original movie. Autumn oh Sweet Romance God. Book One. <laughs> so it's, okay. Uh, wow. So should we watch the adaptation and do a Patreon episode review? Uh, yeah, for our Patreon episode, we will at some point be watching that episode, uh, watching that show. But for Great. now, we will be <laughs> reading the book. I do love Pumpkin. I mean, and if there's not actually th- like this came up when I searched for Thanksgiving, if there's not actually Thanksgiving and it's just fall... I'm going to have a fucking fit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a goddamn fit. I'm going to fucking murder somebody. Oh, my God. God it is not fit. Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm hoping <laughs> to murder somebody. They're going to be thankful for my knife in their face. Um, Just like the pilgrims. <laughs> I'm hoping that the that the, the grand declarative love scene is at somebody's family Thanksgiving oh, with yes. a sassy old aunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. God, I was reminded of that stupid dog movie we watched. That was fucking bad. Listeners, <laughs> join our Patreon and have us review a terrible movie about mm-hmm. dog shows. That's supposed to be Pride and Prejudice, but it's not. It's not. It's terrible. God, it was terrible. Yeah, but at least the guy was actually an okay guy. <laughs> yeah, he was cute too. Totally expected him to be an asshole. Yes, she was the asshole. She was the asshole. <laughs> Goodness. Okay, well, thank you, Claire. Oh, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank, thank you, you so you. much, Christine. Thank you, authors. Thank you so much, authors. Of course, you know, we take these books apart, we pull them into mini pieces, and we throw, you know, criticism at it like confetti to the wind. Um, I thought you, know. you were going to go with a chum analogy. Oh, I decided against it. <laughs> oh, okay. You, that's where you were starting. I, it really was. Um, but we do all this, but we do buy the books, and we also are proud of you. We're proud of what you've done. We're proud you put it out into the world. We know that sucks. We know it's hard. You know, we did a lot of good work, and you did such good work that that book found its way to us. So, I mean, congratulations, marketing-wise. Woohoo! You mm-hmm. hit the algorithm. You did it. Good job. Good job. Um... Thank you, listeners. Thank, Thank you so you. much, listeners. You're our absolute favorite people. Um, we hope you enjoy us, and we hope that you tell people about it. And if you are able to um, stave off the chilly hand of the Grim Reaper by supporting us on Patreon, <laughs> uh, patreon.com slash fmklitpod, and you do have to use the URL because you can't find us there because we say dirty words. We are grown-ups. Dirty, dirty words. <laughs> but absolutely uh, come looking for us and help us out so that we can someday, one day, maybe throw Christine some money for all of the <laughs> extraordinarily hard work she does, making sure that all our long pauses that you don't hear <laughs> are taken out. <laughs> Yes. So I guess uh, all there's all that's left to say is that if you can do so safely and consensually and with a scythe on hand 
ooh, and you know, I don't know. <laughs> and if other things come to pass that are funny and worth saying, Jesus, goddamn Christ, may the host of heaven be not as bullshitty mean as they were in this book. <laughs> It's a it's a school night. Like words are hard right now.